0: Hi, everyone. I'm Monty Judah with Lion and Lamb Ministries, and welcome to our program. We are in the topic of the final redemption of Israel, talking about the greater exodus. We're in the midst of that study right now. Let me just do a quick review so that you can understand this program if you're just jumping in. We have identified seven things associated with the last generation and the final redemption of Israel just to quickly review that list, it includes the prophecies about the last generation, who they are and how they are distinct from all other generations. Number two, the events leading to the second coming, which are specifically the beginning of sorrows, where the Messiah talked about what the world would be like before we get to the actual final moments, how that the love of many will grow cold being delivered up to tribulation. All of those particular prophecies, we've covered them. Then, last in program, we talked about the regional war with a great northern army coming against the land of Israel and how this battle will be won by the Lord, that the Lord's going to show up for this. This will be a dramatic event in the history of the world. In fact, the way the prophecy is given is that as a result of this war the world will be declaring surely there's a God in the midst of Israel and you'll find later where the prophets say that the name of Israel will never be put to shame again because of that now the heels of that battle the result of that battle there are some tremendous things that are about the final redemption if you're going to have God's people being gathered from all over the world and we're going to have this greater exodus we admit that at the moment we are scattering the world because of we're being punished by the Lord. Our fathers did not obey the Lord. God warned them that if they continued to disobey and act with hostility against them, we would be scattered to the nations. Oh, by the way, our fathers were hostile toward the Lord, forgot the Lord, didn't obey the Lord. Lo and behold, we got scattered to the nations. First, the house of Israel uh, into the Assyrians. And Judah went go to Babylon for a short time, came back, and then the Romans scattered them. We are in those days where we're in the exile. But it specifically speaks of how God, in this prophecy at the end of the war, declares the end of the exile. In other words, he has to make a declaration to say the exile is now completed. And this is part of what Paul was talking about in Romans 11 of the fullness of the Gentiles that plays into that definition. And the fullness of the Gentiles, thus all Israel shall be saved, is Paul's way of explaining the final redemption. So this is part of that. Now we ended the last program specifically talking about that war and the aftermath of that war, declaring the end of the exile, and it speaks to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all believers at that point. That's our next topic that we're going to cover is what is the prophecy about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Israel and on all of mankind? Let me go ahead and just summarize for you. We're also looking at three additional items that fit within the definition of the final redemption, the restoration of the two houses of Israel, the reunification of the house of Israel, the house of Judah, the start of the Great Tribulation, and the actual three-and-a-half-year events of the Great Tribulation. We're also looking at the coming of the Lord, the resurrection of the saints, and finally the Feast of Ingathering in Jerusalem that's prophesied to be the first feast. All of those events are part of the definition of what we call the final redemption of Israel. These are individual prophecies that are given in the Bible about it. So going back, we are now ready to discuss the fourth item, which is the outpouring of of the Holy Spirit upon Israel and all of mankind. And that's where we begin with this program. Now, if you go to the prophet Joel in chapter 2, is where you're going to hear some of this language that I've just mentioned to you here. Beginning at verse 18, it says, Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and will have pity on his people. And the Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I'm going to send you grain new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied and full with them. And I will never again make you a reproach among the nations, but I will remove the northern army far from you. That's a reference back to Ezekiel's prophecy. And I will drive it into a parched land and desolate land, and its vanguard into the eastern sea, and its rear guard into the western sea, and its stench will arise, and foul smell will come up, for it has done great things." Do not fear, O land. Rejoice and be glad, for the Lord has done great things. This is Joel's explanation of what Ezekiel prophesied. He prophesied about this war and the enemy coming down into the mountains of Israel, seeking spoil. but How God shows up and suddenly turns them around and defeats them massively. Ezekiel talks about the special burial procedures that have to be done because the, the number of slain is massive. And then that's what Joel's talking about. The stench is coming up from them and that hall has to be cleaned. And that's what the prophecy is about. So Joel two eighteen and 19, 21 is speaking back to those things. But again, he's also saying, I'm going to do good things now to you, Israel. Just as Ezekiel said, he'll declare the end of the exile. Here's Joel, where the Lord is saying the positive things he's now going to do. Now, Joel continues on, and in in the same chapter, verse 27, he says this, Thus you will know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other, and my people will never be put to shame. It will come about after this. That I will pour out my spirit on all mankind your sons and daughters will prophesy your old men will dream dreams your young men will see visions Even on the male and female servants. I will pour out my spirit in those days The key phrase that you should take note of is the beginning of verse 28 where it says it will come about after this This prophecy of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is directly linked to the aftermath of this war of the northern army coming down the Ezekiel 38 39 war it's linked right to it to say here's what's going to follow it specifically says that he's going to pour out his spirit on all mankind and upon the house of Israel many of you are aware that at the day of Pentecost that we saw another outpouring of the Holy Spirit this is historically Actually, God has poured out his spirit on several times. He did it with Moses and on the elders of Israel. He did it at the day of Pentecost. And in the day of Pentecost, which is Acts chapter 2 recorded for us, Peter is explaining that. He's explaining the outpouring that's taking place in his day, and he compares it to what the prophet Joel has talked about here. But it's very clear the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel Comes about after a northern army is defeated, whereas in the day of Pentecost, he's saying what's happening is like unto what the prophet has said. Let me read to you from Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. It says this When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. That's Acts 2, 1 through 4. So here we have the specific event taking place. We really should take note of this because I'm advocating that this outpouring of the Holy Spirit spoken of by Ezekiel and by Joel is a yet future event. So when this comes, when this event comes, which is part of the final redemption, he's describing what the impact is gonna be. What are we gonna see? There's a rushing wind, flames of fire, people begin to utter, and as Joel said, people begin to prophesy of all things led by the Spirit of the Lord. So a little bit later, Peter's giving his explanation of what transpired. And so in the same chapter, Acts 2, beginning at verse 16 and verse 17, it says this But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel, and it shall be in the last days. I want you to take note of that. He's quoting Joel correctly. The day of Pentecost, with in the days of Peter and the apostles, were not the last days. They were the first days of the new covenant, but they were not the last days of the end of the age. And he's quoting correctly here. Joel has said the outpouring he's talking about happens in the last days. The verse continues to go on and say this. God says that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. So we see the events of Acts chapter 2 in this period of time, and you know that the Holy Spirit moved on these people dramatically, and essentially the testimony of Yeshua and him coming to be the Son of God and doing the work of redemption, that was the Spirit now empowered the apostles to do the things they did, and the initial believers were empowered by this to do it as well. Even in the faith that we have today, when you become a believer, you receive a measure of the Holy Spirit to empower you to live the life and to go and be and give testimony with regard to what the Lord has done for you in providing redemption. So he's saying that something incredible is going to take place in the last days that has to do with that. And quite honestly, folks, if you think about the end time events, tribulation, other things that are taking place we're going to need the Holy Spirit being poured out on us in a very great measure. We're going to need it to advise us as to what are the events taking place and what do we need to do to be a part of those. So this is the prophecy of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and this is definitely a central part in what we're talking about when we talk about the final redemption of Israel. All right, the next item that is prophesied that is also a part of the final redemption has to do with what's called the reunification of the two houses of Israel now let's go back in history I'm sure if you've done any sort of base Bible study you know there was a time when Israel split into two kingdoms the house of Israel was led by Jeroboam and he separated from the house of David and the house of Judah And he broke away from the son of Solomon. And so it became the house of Ephraim. That was the leading tribe. And they became the house of Israel. And they were separated from Judah. Judah was called the southern kingdom. Or eventually became Judea. Now we have all kinds of biblical history there. There were different prophets that were sent to these two different ones. There's quite a bit of time that took place. Eventually the Syrians came and took the house of Israel captive. Judah was not taken captive at the time. And then we have the history of Judah being taken captive to Babylon, and then they come back after 70 years. And then everybody gets dispersed. Judah is dispersed by the Romans, and so we have the two houses scattered in the nations. But all of the prophets, even in the days when there were two kingdoms, they spoke of a major prophecy that would happen in the end of days. And it would be that the two houses would be reunified. And the way the prophets laid it out was that Judah, or the house of Judah, would be brought first back to the land. Oh, by the way, in our modern day, that's exactly what we see in modern Israel. It's the house of Judah that has returned. And then the prophets say that the house of Israel will join with the house of Judah. They'll become one in the hand of the Lord. So this is a very specific prophecy about the end of the ages. Let me just say here that not all of my Messianic brethren agree with what I just said. They would like to suggest that when Judah came back from Babylon, well, all those of Israel that wanted to join him came back, and the whole Israel thing is now called Judah, and there is no more house of Israel. I would like to remind them that well after Judah came back from Babylonian captivity, the new covenant was given. Jeremiah clearly says that the new covenant was given to the two houses of Israel, the house of Judah and the house of Israel. It does not speak of any unification of Israel at all. In fact, other versions also speak of that. As I shared with you before, even the Messiah in uh, John chapter 10 refers to that he has another flock besides the ones that are in the land and in the those days he was with the house of Judah but he knew the house of Israel was scattered in the nations and he refers to himself as being the shepherd of both of those flocks so obviously they have not been reunified yet they weren't reunified in the days of Yeshua and they certainly haven't been reunified in the days following that. Now we come to this present time, we come to the end of the ages, and this is where the prophets have said that the reunification will take place. So let's look at the specific prophecies that speak to that and how they fit into the final redemption. Let's go to Hosea first. And in Hosea chapter 1, Hosea, a lot of people don't know this, was one of the very first prophets that came when the the kingdom was in two kingdoms, when Israel had been split. They were one of the first prophets to come at that time. And he was a prophet to the house of Israel. So he's explaining what was going to happen to the house of Israel. And let me read to you from Hosea 1, beginning of verse 2. It says, When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go. Take yourself a wife of harlotry, and have children of harlotry, for the land commits flagrant harlotry, forsaking the Lord. Boy, is he talking to the house of Israel in those days. That's exactly what was taking place. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dibliim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Name him Jezreel, for yet a little while I will punish the house of Jehu, for the bloodshed of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. For those of you who have ever been to Israel, you'll find out there is a valley of Jezreel. It's up in the northern part where the house of Israel. Guess what? That's where the Assyrian battle was, and Israel lost. And just as the Lord said, the enemy has come down and captured them and defeated them in that valley. His first son was named Jezreel. By the way, Jezreel in Hebrew means scattered. And that's the place where they grow grain. And like when you go to plant grain, where you broadcast the seed and you scatter the seed, and that's part of the meaning of that word. And for this, well, it fits perfectly into this prophecy of Hosea warning the house of Israel, you will be scattered. The enemy will come, will defeat you, and you will be scattered as a result. So let me read a little bit further for you. He continues, On that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. Then she conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to him, Name her Lo Ruhamah, for I will no longer have compassion on the house of Israel, that I would deliver them by the Lord their God, and will not deliver them by bow, sword, sword battle, horses, or horsemen. And when she had weaned Lo-Ruhamah, she conceived and gave birth to a son. We'll talk about the next son. Lo-Ruhamah actually means no compassion. And that's exactly what happened in the scattering. When we went into exile, God said he turned his face, that he does not give compassion anymore to Israel. And that certainly is what happened to the house of Israel. The Lord allowed the enemies to have their way with them, and there was no compassion coming from God. It was extremely challenging, and that's part of the exile. Let me just, for a moment, do a little sidebar here. Many of the Jewish people who had to go through the Holocaust, and they're thinking about their faith, they're thinking about the God of Israel, and yet they're having to go through the Holocaust. One of the things that stood out in the the heart and the thinking of, of the people that went through that was, where is God's compassion? I mean, is there no compassion for God for the situation they're in? And by the way, when you find out about the Holocaust and the things that happened, the normal person immediately evokes compassion. Well, why wasn't God driven to be compassionate at that event? Well, the prophecy said that he would not. The prophecy said, lo ruh I'm not going to do it. No compassion. That's how severe the punishment and the scattering would be. Now, the third child, the last one is a son. And he says, And the Lord said, Name him Lo-ami, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the sons of Israel will be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered, And in the place where it is said to them, You are not my people, it will be said to them, You are the sons of the living God. And the sons of Judah and the sons of Israel will be gathered together, and they will appoint for themselves one leader, and they will go up from the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. Now there's a whole bunch of things in there that Hosea says. Let's review them very quickly. Lo, me, when the house of Israel, separate from the house of Judah, went into captivity... They lost their identity. If you went up to him and you said, well, where are you from? I don't know. They didn't realize they had come from Israel. And through the generations, the punishment was not only that they would be scattered, not only that God would not be compassionate, but God would also cause them not to remember who they are. That was a very severe punishment upon Israel. But at the same time, in this prophecy, he says, While you're in the nations, and you don't know who you are, by the way, you're going to be prolific, and you're going to increase in great numbers. In fact, uh, he compares them to the sands of the sea, that the house of Israel in captivity will become in a great number, and there will be a day that comes, are you ready for this? When they were called, you are not my people, it will then be said of them, you are the sons of the living God. That phrase, the sons of the living God, is everything the New Testament is about. The Son of God came to us, and when we become believers in him, we become sons of the living God. So it's literally Hosea's prophesying into the future for the house of Israel, saying, yeah, you're going to be scattered, you're going to be all over the nations, God's going to increase you greatly, but you won't know who you are. And, oh, by the way, the Redeemer is going to come, And he's going to do personal redemption with him, And instead of becoming low of me, not my people, you're going to become the sons of the living God while you're scattered. If you take a look at the history of Israel, the house of Israel being scattered throughout all of the nations and so forth, those are the people whom are receiving the testimony of Yeshua as the Messiah, and they're the ones that are becoming believers, of the Messiah. And yet they don't know they're part of Israel. They are part of the house of Israel. Now, some teachers have come along with this subject and they've talked about the subject, what we call the 10 lost tribes and where they've gone because we're talking about the house of Israel then. And there's a lot of speculation. And by the way, that's the only way you could call it as to where in the world are they and who in the world are they? It is a fact, in the modern Messianic movement, there's a vast greater number of people that are coming that are non-Jewish into the Messianic movement than there are Jewish believers that are coming from the house of Judah. It it, it lines up with what the prophecy says. Now, is every person who's non-Jewish coming into the Messianic movement, are they actually part of the house of Israel? No, we can't say that. There are Gentiles in the world too. But I would not be shocked to, when this is all over and done with, and we're in the kingdom, I am not going to be shocked to find out that there's a very great number of believers in the Messianic movement of this day that are actually descendants of the house of Israel and the house of Ephraim. And there are some within the Messianic movement that have a sense of that and are speaking to that. Thus, we have the teaching, what we call the two-house teaching in the Messianic movement. And by the way, I've got some brethren who don't like that. Some of my Messianic Jewish brethren don't want to pay attention to these prophecies. They want to dismiss them. They want to just, oh, everybody's already joined. It's just called Jews now. And they don't look to this. And actually, they're fulfilling some other prophecies about this restoration of the two-house thing. And it has to do with, The fact that there's a prophecy that says that Ephraim will vex Judah, and Judah will vex Ephraim, that's going on. And then it talks about in Revelation, specifically the end-time message to the last believers in the last generation. On two occasions, it makes reference in the letters to those who say they are Jews but are not. And Paul taught that a Jew is one who's one inwardly, not one who's one outwardly. And they would be causing trouble within the believers, within the assembly of the believers, and that the Messiah himself would be taking care of them, and eventually they'll have to be humbled. Now, when the reunification of the two houses come, the northern war, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I have a feeling that this is when this is all going to come together. In fact, that's what the prophecies speak to. It's leading to the final, let me take you back to Hosea. The last verse, and they will appoint for themselves one leader, and they will go up from the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. The one leader is, we share the same Messiah. He will be the one leader, and that's how the house of Judah and the house of Israel will come together. They will agree on who is the Messiah, who is the king of Israel. And that's what unifies them to become one people, and it says that for great will be the day of Jezreel, and that's a reference to the day of the Lord. That is a reference to the final judgments of God and what we call the final redemption of Israel. Now let's talk about a little bit more of that history. I want to go into some detail about the captivity. In particular, I want to talk about Judah's captivity to Babylon because there's some important elements associated with that that ties back into understanding the final redemption. Jeremiah prophesied that Judah was going to go into captivity. In Jeremiah 29 and verse 10, very particularly it says, For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. Now this is a a verse where he's actually talking how long the captivity is going to be in Babylon. And the reason it was 70 years... Uh, according to the, some of the last verses in Second Chronicles. It says, because you've been in the land and you have not kept the Shemitah year, you've not kept the sabbatical year, you didn't give the land its rest. He's specifically talking about since the days of Joshua coming into the land, there's been 490 years and you've never kept the Shemitah year and the number of Shemitahs or sabbatical years, that 490 years, Is 70 and so Jeremiah said because you have not kept that for 490 years all of those Shemitah years all those years of the land of rest you're going to go into captivity for that number of 70 years before you return with the idea that they would return and they would keep the sabbatical year they would continue to obey the Lord fast forward if you go to the book of Nehemiah when they were returning after Babylonian captivity, Nehemiah is there rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, he sees men bringing a great harvest in on the next Shemitah year. And he yells out at them, he says, you you don't understand the reason we went into captivity to begin with, we've returned, now you've brought even more judgment upon us. And he speaks of an even greater judgment that would come upon Israel. Well, guess what? After coming back from Babylon, guess what is facing the house of Judah now? Worldwide captivity. It goes from being captive for one nation for 70 years to being captive along with the house of Israel scattered in all of the nations. Let me take you back to Jeremiah 29. and Let me show you verse 14 just a little further down. He says this, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations from all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place where I sent you into exile. I want you to take note, Jeremiah's definition of the exile is not Babylon. Babylon was simply a temporary punishment for failing to keep the Sabbath year. Now, he's talking about to the same group house of Judah. Yep, you're going to go ultimately into worldwide captivity, not just Babylon. From there, you will be returning and the Lord will be restoring your fortunes even from all of those places. So he was speaking and alluding to an exile that would be way beyond Babylon. That's crucial because I got a lot of brethren who go around saying, well, that was all the verses about the captivity whatever's been going on worldwide that was never talked about by the prophets well it was it was talked about by jeremiah and the other prophets and i wanted to point that out again going back to moses how did he describe this worldwide exile deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 3 and 4 says this then the lord your god will restore you from captivity have compassion on you will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. If your outcasts are at the ends of the earth, from there the Lord will gather you, and from there he will bring you back. Moses spoke of the worldwide captivity. This has been prophesied for a very long time. When did the exile to all of the nations begin? It was after the time of Yeshua. It was when the house of Judah Was scattered by the Romans, the house of Israel had already been scattered by the Assyrians. That's when, and for the last 2,000 years, we have seen the captivity of Israel in the nations. But in this generation, we are beginning to see the first elements of the gathering of the remnant of Israel. We see the house of Judah making their way back to the land. Israel has now become a land again, is recognized in the world as a nation and a land. And we are in the days of these prophecies of when um, God would be bringing us back. Now, I want to add just one more to kind of cement uh, this whole concept of the worldwide captivity and how it related to Babylon. And we're going to go to the prophet Ezekiel, who, by the way, was in Babylon. And so he's in the place of Babylon, in captivity, that Judah went into, and here's what he prophesies, and you're going to find out he's going to prophesy into the future, way to the end of the ages, and he's going to be talking about the final redemption when he does it. This is from Ezekiel, beginning at chapter 37, beginning at verse 1, it says this, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. He set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied There was a noise, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and behold, sinew were on them. And flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they came to life, and stood on their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves. And cause you to come up out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you will come to life, and I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and have done it. This is Ezekiel in Babylon Speaking of something that's going to happen way after the events of Babylon. And in fact, today, you do not get an argument from any biblical teacher. The prophecy of the dry bones is the prophecy of the modern Israel coming out of the Holocaust. In the Holocaust, the scenes that we see are piles of dry bones where they had been incinerated, where they had been slain. Because of the Holocaust, we have this imagery of the judgment that fell upon Israel and how out of that the nation of Israel has come to be. Many Jews say that the only good thing that came out of the Holocaust was that the nation of Israel came into being as a result. All biblical teachers that do any serious eschatology there is complete agreement we have seen the fulfillment of ezekiel's dry bone prophecy in seeing the modern land of israel and the jewish people returning from the nations to become live in the land of israel as the prophet said that's part of the final redemption part of it is to reestablish israel even though they've been decimated amongst the nations and this whole business about the unification of the two houses of Israel, here's what Ezekiel says after he explains the dry bone prophecies. Here's what he says. This is from Ezekiel 37, beginning of verse 15. The very next verse says the following. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, And you, son of man, take for yourself one stick and write on it, for Judah and for the sons of Israel, his companions, his companions, Then take another stick and write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and all of the house of Israel, his companions. Then join them for yourself one to another into one stick, that they may become one in your hand. When the sons of your people speak to you, saying, Will you not declare to us what these mean by these? Say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is the hand of Ephraim, And the tribes of Israel and his companions, and I will put them with the stick of Judah and make them one stick, and they will be one in my hand. The sticks on which you write will be in your hand before their eyes. Say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will take them from every side and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel, and one king will be king for all of them. And there will no longer be two nations and no longer be divided into two kingdoms. They will no longer defile themselves with their idols or with their detestable things or with their transgressions. But I will deliver them from all of their dwelling places in which they have sinned and will cleanse them. And they will be my people. I will be their God. My servant David will be king over them. They will all have one shepherd. They will walk in my ordinances, keep my statutes and observe them. And they will live on the land that I gave to Jacob, my servant, in which your fathers lived. And they will live on it, they and their sons and their sons' sons forever. And David, my servant, will be their prince forever. And I will make a covenant of peace with them. And it will be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will place them and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in their midst forever my dwelling place also will be with them, and I will be their God. They will be my people. Ezekiel has essentially prophesied that once you see the dry bone part take place, that you see the nation of Israel come into being, in this, and only in this generation have we seen it, that God is going to then take all of the house of Israel, the house of Joseph, the house of Ephraim, all those that are still separate from the house of Judah. And he's going to bring them in, and they're going to be joined. And when they're joined, there's going to be one king over them, and it will be of David's throne. By the way, the Messiah is the son of David, and he's the eternal king of Israel. And the Messiah king will be the king of that land and of that people. And he even goes all the way to the kingdom the Messiah will come and set his tabernacle amidst us, that's in the millennial kingdom, and we will be with the Lord forever. I mean, here's Ezekiel speaking right to the end of the ages, how this goes into it. So the two sticks of Israel, the house of Joseph, the house of Judah, they're going to come together as a part of the final redemption of Israel. That is one of the key prophecies for it. All right, we are now ready to talk about the next item, which is a part of the great tribulation, or part of the final redemption, and it is the great tribulation. It is the specific events, the last three and a half years of the age. That is a very key part of the final redemption of Israel. What am I talking about? Well, if you go to Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14, the Messiah talks about, how this great tribulation is going to come about he says there he says the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations then the end will come this is part of the messiah's definition of what we call the fullness of the gentiles when the messiah came the gospel began to be preached by the apostles and the disciples and that's what's been going on for the last 2000 years coming to the fullness of the gentiles or the completion of the exile And he says that the gospel is going to be preached throughout that entire time. The good news is going to be preached to all the scattered exiles. And part of the return of bringing the scattered exiles back is that they have heard of the Messiah's redemption. And they respond to that message of redemption given by the Messiah to want to return from the exile to return to the land of Israel and to the kingdom. In Matthew 24 and verse 21, this is where the Messiah specifically gives the title of this last three and a half years, the great tribulation. Here's what it says. For then there will be great tribulation, such has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. What is he specifically saying, now there will be this great tribulation? Well, it turns out that he's talking about a very key prophecy that is given by Daniel. Daniel uh, had a whole series of prophecies about the end of the age, and one of the key things that he specifically spoke to was about this event called the abomination of desolation. It turns out there's two elements to that, but let me summarize for you very quickly. What we're talking about is there's going to be a time when Israel is in the land. There's an altar that's been built to God. It's recognized as an altar to God. And they're doing the daily sacrifice. That's the morning and evening lambs. And those are the two sacrifices that encase all of the sacrifices. Those are the ones that are absolutely required every day to be done for that altar to reign as an altar to the God of Israel. And it talks about an event called the abomination of desolation in which that someone comes and causes the cessation or the stopping Of that sacrifice that daily sacrifice on the altar and alters the status of the altar let me read to you from Daniel chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 where it speaks of this time at the end that these events take place Daniel chapter 12 now at that time Michael the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people will arise there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who's found written in the book, will be rescued. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. This time of distress, you know, most people, when they hear about the Great Tribulation and all the things that are supposed to take place, God's judgments and so forth, It's doom and gloom to them. They never hear the words where God says that his people, even though they're in this time of distress, the world has never known, they will be rescued by the Lord. They never hear about the prophecies of uh, enduring. They never hear the prophecies about being survivors. They never hear the prophecies about escaping. They dismiss all of them because they don't want to deal with the subject at all because the idea of the Great Tribulation is so horrific. The prophecy is telling us these events are part of the final redemption, that they're going to be in the midst of what the saints are going to have to be dealing with when all of this is brought to a conclusion. As I said to you, it starts with the shutting down of the altar. In the same chapter, chapter 12 of Daniel, it says in verse 11, From the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. This is a very specific prophecy that gives you the exact number of days in the Great Tribulation. Now, that's a whole different kind of study, and I don't have the time to cover that in this series. But you can go and study the Great Tribulation, learning about it. It's a a three-and-a-half-year event And that it begins with the shutting down of the altar. It concludes with immediately after the days of tribulation, we see the Messiah come. We'll talk about that part a little bit more, but that's a completely different study about all the events that take place in the Great Tribulation. A lot of the fulfillment from the book of Revelation itself. All right. I'm going to read uh, to you uh, some other verses from the prophets that speaks to this same time period, the Great Tribulation. For example, let me take you to Joel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, Joel says this, Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. Surely it is near, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness as the dawn is spread over the mountains. So there is a great and mighty people. There's never been anything like it, nor will there be again after it to the years of many generations. Joel is talking about the events of the great tribulation that lead to the day of the Lord, lead to the ultimate judgment of God upon the earth. Let me take you just to one more passage that addresses this, and that is in the prophet Zephaniah. Most people don't read from Zephaniah very often because he's the prophet that talks about the day of the Lord. And most people don't want to hear about the day of the Lord because it's kind of negative. But here's what he says that goes along with what Joel has just told us. This is from Zephaniah uh, chapter 1, beginning of verse 14. Near is the great day of the Lord. Near and coming very quickly, listen, the day of the Lord. In it, a warrior cries out bitterly. A day of wrath is that day a day of trouble and distress, a day of destruction and desolation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and the high corner towers. I will bring distress on men so that they will walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord and their blood will be poured out like dust, their flesh like dung. And neither their silver nor their gold will be able to deliver them on the day of the Lord's wrath. And all the earth will be devoured in the fire of his jealousy. For he will make a complete end, indeed a terrifying one, of all the inhabitants of the earth. Zephaniah is defining the day of the Lord. And he's explaining this great tribulation, this leading up to it days of darkness and gloom and so forth, a time of great distress. This is the environment of the world when God is rescuing his people and delivering them. Let me just say this to you personally. If you are one of the saints and you're going to be here at the final redemption and you go through the great tribulation, and by the way, you don't get raptured out beforehand, and you're in the midst of it, I can assure you that when you say the words redemption and looking for God's redemption, it'll be far more meaningful to you in that day than right now as we're sitting here in a peaceful time. Then you'll begin to understand what these prophecies are really about and how profound they are and how important they are to that group of people, to that last generation. Let me take you to where the Messiah talks about immediately after the tribulation what's going to happen, which is his return. Matthew 24, verse 21. After he had begun to explain the great tribulation, here's what he says But immediately after the tribulation is of those days, the sun will be dark, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from the one end of the sky to the other. And did you hear those words at the end? He will be gathering the saints. This is part of the final redemption is the coming of the Messiah. It includes those that have even passed that need to be resurrected. The gathering, the final redemption, includes those that will be resurrected. This is what Paul was really talking about when he, in First Thessalonians 4, beginning at verse 13, when he said this, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that have died, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Yeshua died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in the Lord. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, that's the last generation, will not precede those who have fallen asleep, the previous saints. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead and the Messiah will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. This doesn't happen before the Great Tribulation. This is what happens in the days immediately after the Tribulation the Messiah said. That's when we'll all be joined together. That's when the final gathering comes from all of the world where we now return to the land, to Jerusalem, where the Messiah will join us at that point. This is part of this final redemption. Now, our time has come to a close for this. We have one more element to discuss, which is part of the final redemption, and that is the Feast of Ingathering, the final feast And the one that's prophesied for the first feast we will enjoy in the kingdom. So when we come together again, we'll take up our study at that point. Shalom to all of you.